Hi, I'm John Kim. And I'm Buddy Wakefield. We're two non-blondes in a podcast dedicated to probably awful people just trying to get shit right. Buddy's going to open each week with a poem that doesn't suck to set the table for all of us to put our cards on it. And John will stay numb to his feelings, but open to discourse. Quick disclaimer, this unedited podcast never gets in the way of an episode going wherever it wants to go. I'll end tonight with I'll end with a, with a poem. It's tonight here in Portugal, and I would rather just jump right into it. John, I know that you suggested this week's touchy subject is breath. I want you to elaborate for me how that's touchy. Uh, because many people forget to breathe. I think breath can be controversial. I think a lot of people believe that it's not that big of a deal, and it's just a lot of uh, you know um, crust of wellness. And so uh, with you, you know, you did a whole TED talk on breath and how important that is. I'm a chest breather, and I need reminding of breathing from from your diaphragm, or if I'm meditating to concentrate on my breath because I'm all over the place. It's touchy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it is touchy in the in the in the sense that it it would be touchy in the sense that it has become cliche uh, as the key element in our in our that's necessary to our healing, um, uh, and I feel passionate. Passion being its own tricky stitch, um, but I feel well, I feel well, passionate. Tell, tell us your relationship with breath. <laughs> okay. I just, for those who don't know, I just got home from a, a two week Vipassana meditation course. It's the boot camp of meditation. It is uh, 11 hours a day meditation for 10 days. It's wow. no joke. And while there, you're given, we're given a technique. Uh, there's no gurus, there's no idol worship, there's no rites or rituals, there's no bullshit. It's just, breath it's just air that's it and we are shown a technique on how to observe our breath and our sensations without reacting in order to come out of blind reactions and habit patterns and i've been going since 2005 <clears throat> largely except for covid at least once a year uh usually twice a year once to sit and once to serve in fact it's so effective that you're not even allowed to serve until you've been through a course. And once you have, you're usually on a waiting list just to serve, just to work your nuts off for 10 days, serving food, eat, uh, making meals and serving uh, 150 people. Um, that's how effective it is. I, it's one of the highlights of my life to get to serve there, just so I, have, so I can be around other people doing this. Anyways, wait, when you say serve, what does that mean? Serve, to go yeah. in and cook the nothing that oh, if, if anybody tries no. to charge you money if anybody tries to charge you money you're in the wrong place everything is completely run by volunteers including the assistant teachers like there's the main teacher who who uh is on video actually and he's guiding the entire thing and it's uniform video it's the same video at any one of these hundreds of centers that are around the world now um which sounds you know not exciting but it turns out the guy's so uh true and dynamic and amazing it doesn't it, it doesn't matter and he's just giving the information we all need and providing the space for us to practice it and so uh this time especially when i went i was determined to work the entire 11 hours a day for the 10 days it's easy when you get there to to only go to the group sits that are three times a day and or, 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 to just sit you know 
it's it's possible to just walk around for half the day and and get out of the sits. But and and when I was younger, I would. It was just too excruciating to sit there that long. Uh, but the, the technique has meant so much to me and proven itself effective that this time I agreed with myself to sit. And it was the first time. It, this is sort of a, a humble brag. It's not a humble brag if you know it's a brag. This is a braggy brag, where I I was actually able to sit. 11 hours a day for 10 days cross-legged and never and never come uncrossed wait so uh bathroom hunger i mean they're you know i mean within reason i went and yeah. i had to do the duke I, of course i had to uncross like i didn't levitate over to the toilet and plop one out <laughs> and levitate back. hey wait um, so what happened because something that I, I can do i mean oh you're, you're getting yes. sorry sir here this is where it gets touchy john yes it's right. something you can do don't make me lose my equanimity john we're getting there. All right. Jesus. Okay, anyways, so <laughs> this time, this is this is where it becomes beautiful. I want to say I, I, I want to say so many things, and I'm really excited, and I want to make sure all the good stuff gets out. The first thing I want to say is how effective it was for me this time, and I want to say why, and I can explain how it was. And leading up to that, I want to also say that. The last time I was at a Vipassana course before COVID, I think it was in 2018, actually, uh, maybe maybe 19. But I uh, there was a point there was a there was a point where I reached a certain uh, stage that is uh, just scientifically inevitable if you if, if if one adheres to the practice and shows up for themselves and follows the technique uh, properly. There was a point I reached. And there was a clearing, a joy, a certain electricity, uh, and that I was able to maintain for hours and hours as, as long as, as, and as much as I wanted to. And when I hit it, of course, of course there was an excitement in my body, which I remained pretty equanimous about to not lose the point. But there was also a voice in my head that went, that was so fucking easy. That took you 13 years, dude. <laughs> I had been, I had been meditating at this point for 13 years and I don't know what kept me going once I got to this particular uh, phase. So with that said, I, had, I, I hit a stage where I realized I can come to this stage every single time I sit down and meditate. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this time, knowing how to get there, I was able to stay in it for the 10 days. And, um, and here's what happened during this one. I think it's really important to say is that, uh, you know, I'm in the program uh, uh, for uh, Crystal Methamphetamine Anonymous. I'm a crystal meth addict. And within the program, they talk about, uh, there's a lot of talk about surrender. And I love the idea of surrender. I've always loved the idea of surrender. And I've never actually not known how to do it well. Um, uh, you know, like I was like, yeah, let's fucking surrender. But first, let me go make some money. <laughs> now, now, but this time during meditation, what happened, John, was that uh, I was working according to the technique. And the equanimity was there and the awareness was there and the electricity that I'm talking about and, and just a lot of other unmentionable stuff. And every voice that tries to chomp around in my brain and my security and my positive attitude, every, every shitty voice known to man was coming in. It was doing its thing like it does every single day where, where, where they just cluster in and they fold over your goodness and, and, they, and, and they dogpile it until you can't think straight. Every single one that was coming up, I just surrendered it to my higher power, my highest power. We can call that whatever you want to. God, you, I don't, I don't care. 
but I was surrendering to Dhamma. I was surrendering it to my highest power and none of them could get in. Literally, I was so, so focused on the technique that every shitty thought that came, I was giving it to my higher power who's basically just composts that nonsense anyways, if you, if you surrender it. And so 10 days is an easy thing to say. 11 hours is an easy thing to say. 11 hours a day for 10 days is an easy thing to say, but to experience is something altogether different. And what I just did was 11 hours a day for 10 days of not of the thought of the shitty thoughts that tear me down, not getting in mm. and instead living in a space that was clear and allowed me to process my thoughts with clear insight, which I guess some people would call a wisdom. And I know the, the, the teacher, uh, the guy who gives the technique does. So that's where I am now. Coming in hot How off the high, as long as I want to, as long as I want it to. Oh, but the world. You, you could go back. And tap to, to it's technique. It's a technique. I can be there right now. The world comes in pretty fast. It comes moving yeah. in fast with food and traffic, and it doesn't matter. It's just yeah. all there all the time. It's there's a where there's a craving and aversion around the corner of every single thought. And this place just provides a space where one does not have to contend with those to the degree that we do. Um, I'm trying to get their uh, questions at other people. And by the way, if you're in the room, just put them in the chat. Um, is there a I'm also going to put in the chat. I'm just going to put in the chat. Dhamma.org. Say it out loud. This is a podcast. Dhamma.org. D-H-A-M-M-A.org. If you, if anybody tries to charge you money, you're in the wrong place. It's completely free. Is there a tipping point when you hit kind of this state of bliss? I think often they get to a place, sometimes not all the time, almost a, a spiritual split, uh, place or maybe even, I can't explain it, but it's just like complete bliss i've never been there maybe i've been close a couple times but is, is that where you uh, go after 11 hours of meditation it's not it's not and sometimes you know there, again there were 13 years where i didn't go to this specific place at all maybe you know i dipped in and out of it but i just got most of my most of my encouragement and joy was coming just from knowing that the work was doing good work with myself and i i could feel progress but i had not made it through the layers and i did not have the focus yet to to, to go where i needed to go the bliss uh I think there's a <clears throat> bliss is a for me it's a touchy word because I don't want to wear it out. I don't want people fucking with it. I don't want you know. Oh my yeah. god! I you was don't want to get out. Yeah. Yeah. So the bliss. Bad breath. <laughs> right. Right. Fair. Yeah. So the bliss happened for me in 2015 when I really feel like I was in a sincere state of bliss, and I will tell you that I wasn't even meditating at the time. It was a thought that happened during while I was at a meditation center, um, but and, and I actually wrote about it in my book, A Choir of Honest Killers, where I, I did um, the, a state of bliss did wash over me, and and uh, it was after a period where there was some intense anger in my body that I did not feed, and I and I watched it leave my body. I watched the anger leave my body, and about an hour later, uh, to my surprise, I entered into a state of of bliss, and I remember I was so blissed. I, I was in so much bliss that. Uh, I stood up and the first voice in my head said, 
hey, bud, are you bipolar? <laughs> and I said, man, I don't think so. I'm just really fucking happy right now. Uh, and then I thought about Eckhart Tolle being in a state of bliss for two years, and the shitty voice in my head went, well, you know, you're probably not going to be in bliss for two years like Eckhart. And I was in such bliss. I don't fucking care, dude. I'm bliss. Please don't try to shut me down right now. I'm happy. So I was just contending with the with the ego's chatterbox. But that was bliss for me. Now the thing that we were talking about, um, where I said, you know, after 13 years, I, I I was able to access it, and then especially this last time where I worked the whole time, was a certain electric electricity, uh, sustainable electricity in my body that uh, that where I held myself. The only standard of measure was equanimity. So I was holding myself in awareness and equanimity. Describe uh, equanimity, especially for people uh, whose uh, uh, English is their second language. Describe equanimity. What does that mean? So, what does it mean to you? Don't make fun of me. What does it mean? Awareness. John, I would never make fun of you. Awareness uh, is... In meditation, three things feel the most necessary equanimity awareness and a constant thorough understanding of impermanence and awareness is is easy for you to to comprehend now imagine that you are not budging from your awareness that you are steadfast in your awareness and you're not living outside the con the the the, the um reality as it is not as you would like it to be you're just aware so, of reality as it is not as you would like yes, it to be yes. and so when i say that when, when i say that i'm looking at the sensations in my body which are uh the, the, the as i scan my body the sensations on my skin or within my body those are all absolutely real and i'm just remaining equanimous with those objects um, and scanning them now it's, here's it's, where it gets touched because there's going to be a bunch of assholes listening to this saying Oh, great. You're looking at your body and that's going to bring us enlightenment. Yeah, motherfucker, it is. I don't know if you tried it. <laughs> you've got to, you've got to, you've actually got to watch the, where the, the, where the, where the touch of the incoming breath lands and the outgoing breath. And if you can focus, because it's first, it's called Anapana. It's, it's to settle the mind. It's to get control over the mind. And that's just where we observe the touch of the breath. And we do that for three days before we even learn the Vipassana technique. It's the first three days we're just looking at the incoming breath and the outgoing breath and the touch of the breath. And as we, as we, as we remain aware of it and stay there and not let the other thoughts infiltrate, and we can do that, that keep that... That keeping that awareness is the equanimity is holding is, is hold is standing guard over over our own solitude in there, and then once we learn vipassana, well, that's where the wisdom comes in. So it's basically having your um, dial locked on observation. So you are now observing instead of seeing, right? Yes, and now. Yes, sir. And now when you're observing what's happening is the stockpile of old shit, the stockpile of millions of lifetimes of craving and aversion and all the thoughts you've ever had that, that, have, that have compounded to build these bodies. They start rising up and passing away. And as they rise up and pass away, here comes your mom. Here comes your doubt. Here comes the kid who beat you up in the third grade. Here comes the refrigerator door that you left open. Like here comes all of it. And as it comes up, because you're now in a place of awareness and equanimity and a constant thorough understanding of impermanence and change being the law of nature, Anicca is the word in, in, in Pali, uh, then you're able to look at these things and process them objectively 
and see them for what they are, not as what you keep thinking they are or what you would like them to be. And so the, once the wisdom gets applied, to, basically your observation just gets applied to it. Your objective observation gets applied to everything you ever thought as it, come, as it comes back up and you're seeing it. And it's, so you're able to. It's the practice. Hey, by the way, buddy, do you know what I do? My thing is bringing and asking these questions. I'm a C student. I need to set things for me to understand. So what you're talking about, because it's very complex, it's and multi-layered. It's the practice of plugging judgment, living in curiosity. Right. That's that's the state. Many um, because of our lizard brain, because stressing panic mode and you know, everything's happening in the world, especially today with inflation and all of this. Um, it's, it's not being hooked as, you know, they say in Buddhism, it's not being hooked and observation curiosity, right? That's the goal. No? Yes. Yes. The curiosity part makes me think of, uh, the answer to every magic trick is to investigate. None of it's an enigma. Mm-hmm. You just have to investigate. And so that's what I that's that's what I think when you say that. And I know as all the thoughts and we're talking that we're not talking about just easy thoughts. We're talking about the shit that's fucked you up your whole life. The traumas, sure. all of sure. that starts to come up. All of that starts to yeah. break away in yeah. chunks from some in some smaller. And but we're observing the, as they come. I'm just looking at it. And I'm also not expecting anything. I'm not expecting anything to come up. All I'm doing, my only job, and this was the deal I made with myself before I got there, was to work according to the technique. And that means my only job was to just remain equanimous and observe my sensations and my breath without reacting. And everything else, everything else does its job. All those, all that old stockpile of it's called sankaras is the Pali word for it. I don't know another word for it. But it's 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 all those cravings and aversions and angers and sadnesses and craving and aversion is what it boils down to when we distill it, and it's the, the entire makeup of of the ego and, and and the mind. And all 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 we're doing is the is the aware thing of us um, that Eckhart and all the sages throughout history have talked about. The aware thing is is what's observing it, and this technique puts people in a place to understand how to look at it. Period. For people who can't or don't have the time to, you know, go a week and meditate for 11 hours a day or don't have Mm -hmm. that ability like me, um, what can they do to start? Right. uh, give them some goal, or do you only believe in this kind of extreme? No, in fact, in fact, my boy Eckhart Tolle talks about how you don't need these boot these meditation boot camps. Mm-hmm. Then again, then again, here's the deal: Eckhart was ready to kill himself one night when he was 29, and he was overcome by a state of bliss for two years. And like, for as much as somebody wants to kill themselves, can. Eckhart got a free ride, you know, like all of a sudden he was in bliss and now he can tell anybody anything. But, <laughs> which I also is have fair questions enough. for Eckhart, by the way. But fair enough. He saved the, he, he, he saved the world as far as I'm concerned. But um, uh, yes, I don't think you have to go to the boot camp of it. I just know it was the only, it's the only way f- that I've ever been able to, or, or it's provided a space for, for me to do it. You know, you can't talk. 
there's no reading or writing or talking or right. there's just no distractions. Like you're a, basically a monk for 10 days that give you this opportunity to live it. And so I was, if I was to recommend a way for others to practice it, you know, there's uh, where I hesitate. I mean, there's all kinds of apps. We can all find a way to meditate. Where I hesitate is that I, I don't want to recommend the meditation that's based on mantras. I don't want to recommend that that's based on repeating or visualizing. All that stuff is great, and it does it does help focus the mind. For me, though, I'm looking at end results, and all that stuff that does uh, is, is is it's surface soothing ways of meditating. It's not eradicating suffering at the root level, which is what is is taught at the Vipassana centers. This is uh, mantras and all of, are just surface soothing. They calm the mind. And, um, and you know what else is surface soothing? Podcasts, poems, music, movies, taking a walk right. when you're mad. Like all those things do the trick for a minute. But what I'm looking at is the stuff that's going to help me eradicate suffering at the root level. And experientially, I know this to be the only thing in 48 years of seeking that's worked to do that. So what, what, what I would recommend, what I'm here to recommend as a disciple of the Lord is... Is Vipassana. Now, yeah, not everybody has 12 days. I would like to say if you're miserable as fuck, it's your only priority. I don't care if you got 12 days or not. You've somehow you've gone off uh, audio, John. Or if you're struggling with addiction, it should definitely be a, a priority. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um I agree with you. Podcast, self-help books, you know, music. Um, you know, uh, things can be, uh, yeah, kind of surfacey, band-aids. Uh, they point a finger in the right goes. direction. Yeah, sure. But as far as meditation goes, uh, it, it, this is what you enjoy. This is the way that you, you know, but yeah. there's other meditations like I've heard of like transcendental and other kind of things. Of course. So I just, I don't judge. And this is the only yeah, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I do, and I want to eradicate anybody who doesn't believe what I believe. <laughs> Which means that the meditation that Buddy is using because all I hear is judgment on his side. You don't know. You don't know what's in there. Listen, but you asked, you asked for, for just a, a simple technique to, that I could offer, and if I was going to offer anything, it would be to, to create a space for yourself, uh, obviously with as, as few distractions as possible, and do it for a half hour. I know I know. there's 10 minutes and 20 minutes, but it takes a minute just to catch your breath when you sit down. So I would at least a half hour. And I just, give you... Um, listen, I, wait, I, I, wait, 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 John. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I just want to give one, one practical thing. <clears throat> just observe the touch of the breath, the touch of the incoming breath, and the touch of the outgoing breath. That's it. Do nothing except observe touch of the breath, the incoming breath, and the outgoing breath, and your mind is going to wander away 1,000 times a second. Sometimes you're not even going to remember that you were supposed to be breathing for 10 minutes. It's totally normal, absolutely normal. That, but that, but that, uh, that fact that, that, you, that you forget for 10 or 5 or 10 minutes is what makes people say, I don't think I could ever do it. But you can. In fact, as humans, we all can and we're built to. Um, 
But as you practice, that space will get less and less. And it happens fast. The consequences are immediate. It's like the first week at the gym is a bitch. But the second week gets better. And by the third week, like you're proactively doing extra exercises because you're seeing results. So just keep showing up. And that space between when you remember that you're focused on your breath and when you're not gets to the point where your awareness of your breath is consistent and you have equanimity. You are with it the whole time. And from there, stuff will start surfacing and you'll be able to see it objectively and not so passionately or with craving or aversion. I hope if you're listening or watching, you get this in today. And if not 30 minutes, then five, if not five minutes, you know, whatever, however, you know, you can, um, I want to say, so I just got home uh, picking up my daughter, but also before that going to acupuncture, acupuncture many times wasn't, uh, it wasn't effective. I'm a very twitchy person. And so when you start needles in me, I start twitching. I want them out. I panic. I feel like I just got into fight with porcupine. I don't like it at all. And so even in, and so now I've gone twice again, this is kind of like, you know, after many years, I'm starting it all over. And this time it's actually working. And it's because I'm swimming past the panic, the getaway, you know, and maybe in meditation, it comes for everyone's difference. An hour eight uh, from, you know, six seconds in, but all of that panic, like the ocean, if you swim past the breakers, there's once I got, and just kind of took a breath, you know, going back to the power of breath, breath being the handrails and got out of my own way, then I think the needle started working, right? And I think it's, yeah. it's, it's always been the same with me with, with acupuncture. It's also the same with ice baths, which I'm kind of obsessed with. Um, sitting in ice, instant panic, get me out of here, right? And then it's freezing and then, oh, this isn't that bad. And then, oh, I kind of, I could do this. And then I wonder how long I could do this. And then, you know, you're not thinking about bills because you are in such a different state. And, you know, five, six minutes in, you do hit moments of kind of bliss or being in um, the here and now instead of time machines. And there's something about constantly bringing yourself back to the present over and over again, where it starts to feel you expansive. start to see a expansive clarity. You, you know, know, Eckhart, speaking of Eckhart, at the end of his book, A New Earth, he actually says, so when you become, and this is paraphrasing, but when you become more practiced in presence, bringing it back to the present, like you're talking about over and over and over again, don't be surprised when the naturally occurring result is more frequent, specific serendipity, kismet, coincidence, mm -hmm. uh, synchronicity. He says all the words for it. And you, as, as you know, that's how you and I actually met was through serendipity. And since that years, now seven years later, still most of our talks center around serendipity. We even hosted a dinner y'all uh, called the nines that was completely based on serendipity and people's experiences with uh, things and uh, things that most people don't talk about without getting uncomfortable, you know, from other, other realms, other planets, other stuff. And, um, but once we become present, 
all of the possibilities start to open up. Then the narrative, the, the narrow narrative in which we live really starts to dissolve as um, as even necessary. As we expand. Presence, presence um, is the priority. Expansion over um, curiosity over breath over but all breath these over things, chaos breath over, over craving and aversion yeah yeah and you really have to right into your life you know um buddy did a reboot a giant one you know a week or two uh and if you can do can uh, for most who can't and the you know you have children you have work you have all these other things uh you you can you can into your life so that uh, at least for five ten, minutes, do what 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 gets you there, um, whether that is and, rubbing one out, bath, acupuncture, uh, meditation. I don't, I, you know, I don't find it for you. Um, you know, motorcycle ride. And Buddy's gonna argue that you know, cycle ride is surfacing. He's saying, but I, I do believe that the coins add up. If you if you make something a lifestyle like fitness. That shit, it adds up. One day you open, look at the mirror and you're like, oh my God, I got an ab, you know, or two. And it happens over time. And I practice of locking your, your mind in um, observation. How you Absolutely. get there is on. It's like eating a Reese's peanut butter cup. There's no right way. But you believe there's no way. But I'm just saying there isn't. How you get there is on you. How you get there as long as you. That's what I like to highlight. The buddy is highlighting. That's no, no. That's okay. Don't, you're yelling. Now, what I'm, what, I, what I would like to say for the people who can go, what I'd like to say for the people who can go to a ten day course, it's called is passion, that buddy. if if you maintain passion's overrated, man. But we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> uh, if you can make it to a ten day course, it's not something that you have to leave there. I know the most I've ever, the most I've ever maintained maintained it was seven and a half months when i was when i got out of the course i maintained mm -hmm. sila uh sila is a poly word for morality and it's any religion worth its weight has the same stuff it's it's there's five things no killing no stealing no lying no intoxicants and no sexual misconduct and by sexual misconduct they just mean anything that distracts you or anybody else from the practice and so in 2015 when i did when i did have the bliss i i, I maintained my practice for seven and a half months i didn't even have sex with myself and now most people would say that is, and you knew me during this time. It's actually when we met and I was the most focused, undistracted. I was in love with everybody and everything. I was uh, over the moon about being in this world and being in my body, which was a real rare thing since I spent most of my life trying to escape my body. But I did maintain that I was sat an hour in the morning and an hour at night for all seven and a half months. Um, I was sitting two hours a day and maintaining the practice. So joy is just a sustainable thing, but it, when, when we're dealing with these bodies, um, it's never that joy is never not something we're going to have to stay stay equanimous with and aware of. Otherwise, we lose it. And as you know, I lost it. Uh, I'll tell you that it started with a double cheeseburger. It was a gateway to my hell. But <laughs> a double cheeseburger, both for started with one double cheeseburger, and then I was shooting up meth. <laughs> That's not uh, funny. We're, it is. We're, we're, it's not funny, but you know, you don't. You know what? It's not funny, but it's okay. To bring humor. 
we don't take it seriously, but it just makes us human. And uh, humor helps always. If it, if it almost destroys you and you beat it, then you're all right. What's the it's poem funny. we're ending with today, buddy? Oh, you know, I was really expecting Jack to be on here and do us a poem because I so, I so badly didn't want to read one. But we're going to end. Uh, I, the answer is I don't know, John. So I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to pick something. Let's go for something like, tw let's go from the like late nineties, early twenties. Cause they just, you know, nineties are just, coming back. It's, that's perfect. Nineties are back. I wrote man. a song all the clothes and the high-waisted jeans and shit. It's all coming back. Here, this, this, this will show. I, I wrote a song uh, in five minutes when I was playing a coffee house in college in Huntsville, Texas. And that's the one it's real short. And it's the okay. one I'm gonna. It's the one I'm gonna read today. This is like, uh, 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 ladies and gentlemen, this is like Bruce Lee's uh, three-inch punch. Short. All right. Short and potent. Now, when I you just say have a song, time. are you gonna sing for it? You're out of your mind if you think, dude. The reason I started doing poetry was because I wanted to stop torturing people with my guitar playing and singing. Now I was playing this on the guitar and singing, and it wasn't that bad. But it's not something I'm going to do in the moment here. Here, it's listen because it was a song. I don't think I put it in the book. I'm going to try and go from memory here. We'll see if I flop or not. Must, might stumble around with it, but it's short. Here we go. I want to be a monk. Want to be hooked on junk that makes me feel for you. Want to live in a stained glass shack. Want to walk with a cross on my back if that'll get me closer to you. Want to be of every faith. Want to benefit from every grace and then give it all back to you gonna live now turn these words around and be entirely new hmm. leave it there it's a romantic song i like it yeah yeah With the hey word. everyone bit.ly forward slash two non and the two all lowercase 